Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast on this relatively quiet, nothing much happening day <laughs> here uh, at Blizzard Watch because it's not like Blizzard did anything. Oh, wait. Yeah, they did. Anyway, we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, my guest hosts are Joe Perez and Liz Harper. We're guests we just- now. Yeah, yeah, your guests. I don't know. I don't know what's going and, on anymore. I, I'm going to be dead in five minutes. I'm going to age to death. I demand the right to hospitality. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, we were just talking in the pre-show about how Blizzard Watch is going to be eight years old next year, which seems really old. I can't believe Blizzard Watch is in second long. grade. Hold guys. on a second. Hold on a second. Next year, <laughs> at the time of this recording, less than three months. Uh, yeah, that's going to be January. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Blizzard Watch is officially in second grade. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> okay. Let's with my fellow hosts, or perhaps <laughs> ghosts, depending on Boom. how much longer this goes that, on. That's that's true. That could be all of us. Um, plus, I, hey, plus next week is is Halloween, and we're not going to be doing the show until the <laughs> day after Halloween. So mm-hmm. good to get the spookiness in now. We're all going to die anyway. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk about Dragonflight pre-patch part one, uh, which is what happened today. I, I, I say happened, but as far as I know, the actual World of Warcraft servers are not up yet. As um, of the time of this recording, they are not up. They should. They, supposedly, they're going to be up in about a half hour, but uh, we'll see. Uh, maintenance has already been extended by three hours this afternoon, so we'll see if it gets another extension. Yeah, I mean, and it's not tremendously surprising to me. No. That this one's a bit of a bear to get in because, I mean, as w- there's a lot going on. Uh, we should probably start. Um, well, before we do that, I just want to say for any of the folks that are on those teams trying to get everything ready, I know some of them do listen to the show. Uh, you know, I hope you are not pulling your hair out as much as I think you are, and I hope it goes smoothly, and I hope everything comes back up as, as uh, good and smooth as possible. Yep, we would hope it's like Jif. Just let it be Jif peanut butter, <laughs> nice and smooth and creamy. But regardless, um, the the first thing I'm going to mention is is the talent system because I feel like you have to mention the new talent system is mm-hmm. going live with this patch. Um, I yes. feel like it's a mixed bag, quite frankly. I feel like some classes didn't get a lot of I don't know what to call it. I don't want to say it didn't get a lot of focus, didn't get a lot of attention, didn't get a lot of meaningful change. I'm not sure. Like one of the key hearing is like guardian druids don't feel like they're in a good place. And yeah. Well, the thing is guardian druids never got a single forum post in response to their feedback or about changes to the class. They just, they never got anything. They got literally nothing. And part of that, I guess is, I don't want to say expected, but also, well, I guess kind of like we, we, we understood that think some things were going to fall to the wayside. Uh, because of the time constraint, right? Like November 28th is not that far away. The fact that they're releasing the expansion this year at all, when we first announced it and or when we, we talked about the announcement blew my damn mind. Right. Because like, that's so fast. And we kind of saw that like the, the beta cycle was pretty quick. Some classes got a ton of attention. Uh, some classes didn't, maybe it was under the assumption of the auspice that, those classes were in an okay space because they were in Shadowlands, uh, and that they could come back to it later, or maybe they just ran out of time. We don't know, but yeah, that's there's some classes are just hurting. Like Liz, how are how are paladins? 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna see when the servers go up. I know that my counterpart Liz said they have nerfed Rhett into the ground, which uh Ghost Crawler still with us on that one. And uh I'm gonna I have <laughs> he gave you a pony. The pony he gave you was paladins. You get to ride them into the ground. <laughs> See what you're saying. I, right? I mean, we we eventually got a moose. That's that totally counts. Maybe. Um. I I mean, I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling optimistic, but I just don't know. I don't know. Uh. I did do last week. I sat down and I checked the forums, and so this is like week old data. And I checked like, okay, the number of posts versus the number of responses and feedback from blue post and paladins was slightly over 2000 feedback posts and eight blue posts uh druids was a little worse with 2100 posts and eight blue posts and no posts about guardians and then you have someone like uh, let's see what was the you had warriors which were just under 400 posts and also got eight blue posts and it's like the levels of which Blizzard is responding to feedback are all over the place. For example, Hunters had 1,300 posts and 22 blue posts when I checked on this. And it just the level of responsiveness from Blizzard on different classes has been all over the place. And when you don't get a lot of responses, you don't get a lot of feedback, you don't and, know what they're doing. Yeah, and I think part of that also might be to, like, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of, of turnover, too, right? Like, mm. a lot of the folks yeah. we know that... that maybe play those classes or maybe would have had some some insight or maybe would have poked and prodded aren't there anymore uh so maybe there's an element of that as well where some of the classes that those folks knew to take a look at got a little more attention i i don't know i'm i'm spitballing we actually i mean i want to make it clear i have no idea what actually happened there but yeah <laughs> i'm just think it's because warriors are better we need to get you know, more more people looking at them. that could be that could be but um, it is interesting to see, like, one of the things I noticed recently when logging in on the beta, which is what I'm, if you're watching us live streaming, that's the beta, that's not live. Um, one of the things I noticed is that when you log in, you will have your talents all spent already. And one of the default builds, right? Build. Yeah, you will have a default build. Yeah. Uh, this character is arms, and this character had a build. I did not do this build. Uh, it just was on him when, when he got online. I'm going to redo it because it is not what i want but it is it's serviceable it works i went and killed some stuff with it and that means that if you are a very casual player or somebody who just doesn't really know what's going on with the talents yet you won't have to sit down and spend a half hour designing yeah. your talent spec before you go do anything you can go out and play with it and see what it does and then you can play around with the talents i think that's interesting that they've they've made a lot of steps one of the things that really surprised me is that you can share your talent build with other people and they can just use it. Mm -hmm. um, this is me bringing up some stuff I think is positive because I don't always want to sound like we're just, you know, ragging on Blizzard for, for stuff. And I think that a lot of the stuff they've done around the talent system has been really good. I think the way that they've set up the shareable talents so that like, if you happen to have a good build and your friend is like, Hey, I need a tank build. Uh, you know, what do you, what do you recommend? Instead of going, Oh, try this and this and this and this, you can literally just send him a link to your spec and he can just apply it. And now he has your tanking build. Yeah. The, and I think that's really, really one of the better things they've added. It's another step in the, like what's already been a natural progression, right? Like we've seen, 
uh, the ability to link items in chat and, you know, be able to share transmogs in chat and uh, be able to pin locations and share pin locations in chat, uh, share coordinates in chat, uh, things like that that have been progressively making it a little more uh, MMOE, <laughs> massive multiplayer, like acknowledging the fact that sharing data between players is anything you can do to enable that is a good thing. And talent specs were already getting swapped around. I mean, hell, we, as a website, we did that for how many years? Use this build. Here's a link to the, the talent tree calculator. Here's what you need to do and, and stuff like that. And people have been doing that forever. It just makes sense to have it be something that's shareable in-game, especially if you're going to do a revamp of the whole system. It's a fantastic quality of life improvement. Yeah, and that kind of goes into the UI changes in general, um, which is... One of those things where the more I think about the UI changes, the more I'm almost overwhelmed by them. Like there's a lot between stuff that they added in for accessibility, like various colorblind modes and various ways to change or alter the way the game presents information and just straight up UI changes in general, like being able to move character things, being able to, to design basically how your UI looks. Uh, there's just, there is a ton of this. I think there's more of this than I think people realize. Uh, and in a way, it's sort of the unsung, the mountain beneath the surface of the water, like like an iceberg. It's there's an iceberg of these changes between the the accessibility and the UI changes that really do alter the way the game can be. Um, just the, the the gamepad thing, where you can have a, like a little pad just appear on the screen, and you can just click on that pad, or you can have an actual gamepad hooked up to it and play that way. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different stuff there. Uh, I'm going to just go with you guys and I'll ask this first. Um, is there anything you've seen in the UI or accessibility changes that you immediately was like, this is this is a great idea? Well, just UE in general. I am really excited to be able to do things and customize things without downloading, you know, 27 add-ons. Because that is always a headache and keeping up with add-ons and uh, customization settings and then the add-on breaks and you have to start over or you switch to a new add-on. And having this built in, just by having it built in, makes the game much more accessible because everyone who logs into the game is going to have this. Casual players are going to have this. Players who only log on to the expansion when it's first released and they play through the content and then they leave and don't necessarily keep up with add-ons through an entire expansion. Uh, this brings really useful gameplay features to everyone and kind of evens that playing field to where casual, more casual players can have similar experiences to people who play all the time, week after week. Yeah, I wanted to point out, we, we have an article by Liz Pat, uh, also known as the Liz of Earth 2. Um, <laughs> she basically points out that there's some add-ons you, you might not even need anymore. You might still want them for whatever reason. You might think that they still provide you with functionality you want. But UIs like, UI mods like Bartender and uh, you know the BTW loadouts uh, spec management one, might not really even be useful because you there's so many different ways to, to handle that sort of thing now. And like I used LVUI for years, uh, LVUI, TuckUI, various, you know, full UI replacements. I think the UI editor at this point can probably do anything they do. The or only, pretty close to it. Yeah. I think the only thing that's missing is um, bartenders fade out bars. Like you can have them and, disappear yeah. in combat, but you can't have them, faded like a ghost effect with like limited opacity i think that's really the only major difference that i know of yeah but there are still plenty of add-ons oh go ahead Listen, sorry some of some of these add-ons you may want because they offer more customization than the default 
interface offers even now. But yeah, basically what Joe says. That's the thing Liz Liz also mentioned uh, various things like Auctionator, Handy Notes, uh, you know, uh, Leatrix Plus, Titan Panel, um, which are all really good for for adding stuff to the game. I think that they'll basically still be useful. Auctionator, I can't imagine Auctionator not still be useful until Blizzard finally just sits down and completely revamps the age again to actually have those features. And I don't think they're going to anytime soon. Uh, but like TomTom. Tom. I use TomTom Tom a got lot. A, we got a pretty good uh, auction house revamp. What was it? Expansion ago? Yeah, I but I don't think they're going to they're gonna add in Auctionator type. Not all of those set. tools. Yeah. No. Those, it's just they gave you enough to, to use it. I don't think they're going to go through the, the elements that people who are like professionally running the auction house, not professionally, but you know what I'm talking about. There are people yeah, for whom the auction are... house is, is their game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, obviously, and also there's also mods that are always going to be ones you're going to be looking at like deadly boss mods. Uh, that's, that hasn't changed at all. You still want deadly boss mods. Or and big wigs. GTFO would be pretty useful. Or big wigs. I don't know. I haven't used big wigs in a little bit, but I still use deadly boss. But, you know, there's just various, like, there's add-ons that are still useful. There's add-ons that might not be useful anymore. And there's add-ons that will be useful if you want to go beyond a certain. Uh, and I think that, what was the one she listed here that I immediately thought of? Um, Bagnon, which was a one-bag add-on a lot of people used to use. Uh, but there's now an in-game combined backpack option. You can just tell the game to do that with your bags anyway. So Bagnon probably, for that purpose, won't be used. But there were other things about Bagnon that I liked. Being able so, to see your bank, being able to see yeah. your alts. Yeah, and, you know, I do I do think there's, like, weak R's. I don't think weak R's is going anywhere. I think weak R is just, it's too useful as a, you know, wake up, do this thing now that I don't think we're going to see it go. But in general, we have seen a lot of change to the UI and to all that. And, that, and it's a big deal to get this much of an update to that. Uh, in addition, uh, we've gotten, they've made mages, priests, and rogues. I think that's it. Cause there's only like, there's no <laughs> other class that might work here. Not least not one that can sense or understand is there. Yeah, no, it's rogues. Um, I was going to do perhaps if we uh, discuss plans beforehand to tell jokes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ruin it. I'm sorry, I feel bad now. No, you still would. Let <laughs> me uh, go cry now. No, please don't. <laughs> uh, but but yes, mages, priests, and rogues. Now you can play them as anybody. Uh, hooves are no longer a detriment to being sneaky. Which, if you've ever actually lived around animals, especially animals with hooves, you understand that. Yeah. That thing can be sneaky. It doesn't make any sense that a cow can sneak up on you, but it can. Uh, so yeah, I'm 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 happy for people who want to play those classes, but don't like that they can't play them in the class in the, the race they want to play. I think that that should in fact be just universal for everything. Uh, at this point, I feel like if you want to be like a, a blood elf druid, just let it happen. Um, but that's always been my argument. Uh, so I'm I'm not surprised Blizzard hasn't gone that far yet. I, I still do think it's good that we're going to get, like, for instance, Torin and Draenei rogues finally. Um, I'm trying to think of who else couldn't be a rogue. Was there anybody else who couldn't be a rogue at this point? I mean, obviously, Drakthir can't, but. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't played a rogue in a long, long time. Same, much, same. Pretty much everybody else could be a rogue. But if I'm wrong, if, if you're thinking of a, a race right now that couldn't be rogues, please let us know. I'm, I'm sure that I will be happy to, to, to mention them because I'm the one who came up with the question and asked you to do it. So, you know, whatever. Uh, but 
anything else like from from the uh, this patch? Anything else that jumps out at you guys before I start going on about some other stuff? Like anything else that immediately you th- when you think of when you think of this patch? Uh, this is just the setup patch, right? So like this is part one, uh, and players. I know we've got asked a bunch of times about this, and you know whether or not this you when those servers go up, if you're going to be able to go in do the new content, if evasions are going to invasions with the elementals are going to be there or anything like that. Uh, none of that's in part one. That's all coming in part two. That's correct. Yes. So something just to keep in mind there. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, it's time to learn and experiment, right? Like that's the whole purpose of why it's broken up into two parts, because this is just going to be a big change for so many players. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting in. I know our guild is planning on doing, um, some faded raids to get jelly cats for folks, uh, that missed out on them and also to kind of give us a chance to run through our uh, talents to make sure they work. And I'm kind of looking forward to that to see how things work out. So we're going to see how that goes. Liz? Um, well, here's one thing. The barbershop is going to be free. You can make oh, that's right. however, many, however many hairstyle changes, hair color changes, eye colors, like all of that. Free. And while I am excited about that, the... The only thing it makes me think of is do transmog, you cowards. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the amount of gold I have spent on transmog is kind of terrifying. Um, that's that's probably why I am perpetually broke in the game, because, you know, it's like you put on a transmog look and it's like 400 gold. And then you're like, no, I don't really like that. I'm going to do something else. And then it's like, yeah, before you know it, you've spent 10,000 gold switching between transmogs. And uh, yeah, yep. it, it doesn't help. I, uh, I spend more of my money on transmog than I do anything else, and I've been gold capped a few times. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree that transmog should be free. Uh, I think we should probably mention. I think we mentioned it previously, but we should probably mention it again. The tier sets and legendaries are changing in the pre patch. So if you have your current uh, sepulcher of the first one's tier and you've been relying on it because it is very powerful, it doesn't work anymore. Period. It's gone legacy. If you're wearing those pieces, their stats are still good, but they no longer give you the set bonuses they once did. Mm-hmm. Um, very sad. Very sad. Yeah. I understand why they did it, because as they pointed out, a lot of these talent, the things on the set didn't work anymore. Like the talents didn't exist or they, they worked in different ways and it just wouldn't. There was no way to balance at all in the amount of time they had. And I get that. And but it's I just- also hmm? go ahead. Like, it doesn't feel like it's worth spending the time to balance this for, like, four weeks when they could be working on Dragonflight, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, or it's one of those things that were, it would have been nice <laughs> yeah. if they'd done it, if, you know, Guardian Druids might have liked the Guardians. Uh, but I will mention that the legendaries from Shadowlands are not going to stop working, but they no longer work in zones other than Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you've been using them to farm old content... You you won't have their their powers anymore. Uh, so if you like, you take in a legendary that gives you say, the one that I keep thinking of is the Tormented Kings one. That's an actual ability that that warriors have now. Uh, but you can double up on it if you have the ring. You can wear the ring, and in Shadowlands zones, you'll still get to double up and get get it twice. You can use it more often. You can't do that anywhere else. Like you can't go into say, uh, Black Temple. And, and use that legendary. You'll still get the stats from it, but again, it won't work otherwise. And it's not going to work in, in any of the Dragonflight zones. It doesn't work in Stormwind or, or Orgrimmar. It doesn't work anywhere but in Shadowlands zones. So I was expecting that, 
quite frankly, because otherwise people were going to be using the legendaries forever. And even yeah. so, the item level on the legendaries, if you've gotten it all the way up, means that you probably will still use it forever because it will quite still give you stats. Like you, mm-hmm. you will be close to 70 before you replace a fully leveled Shadowlands legendary. Just, just for the stats. Um, so I feel like these changes were expected to some degree. I didn't expect the legacy change to, to tier. Usually they do that like an expansion down the road. Yeah. You don't usually get rid of the, the, the tier set bonuses. And I think it is, it's telling that they did it this time because I do believe that when they say they couldn't balance it because they left previous set bonuses for a while and only got rid of them. Some of them they only got rid of because of uh, time walking. Because people were actually wearing the set pieces again for time walking, which in my opinion wasn't a problem, quite frankly. Uh, it kind of bugged me. But regardless, yeah. W- what do you guys feel about the legacy changes? You think they should have tried to make it work or what? I don't. I don't think it's a project worth the time. Is you know, you know, managing Blizzard Watch. I often, you know, look at things and it's like, okay, I want to write this and write this and write this and write this, and we should have this and this and this. But it's like you got to focus on the things that are most important because time and staff are not infinite. So you focus on getting the things done that really matter. And I don't think this matters a whole lot. It's not going to matter for long. It's going to be really frustrating for a few weeks, and then it's not going to matter at all. So it sucks, but this is probably the best idea for them. Joe? I agree. Like, I don't really have much of a deviation to say there. I think um, there are other things that require more attention. And as our goblins are so... uh, Kind to remind us, time is money, friend. Okay. Um, I should probably at this point move on to mention that the the original Jailer Ahead of the Curve mount, that you can't get Jailer Ahead of the Curve anymore as of today, but you can still get the mount. Um, I believe uh, they... I think, need, go ahead. I think ahead of, ahead of the Curve went away a little while ago with yeah. Season 4. Yeah, so that's... When season, when season 4 ended, that, the, that went away. Or see, when Season 4 started. Or, yeah. We're we, still in Season 4. Yeah, yeah. But even though that's gone, um, you can still get the mount, which is pretty cool because usually they've just gone or they make it like with some in some cases, they make the mount like a one percent drop off of somebody. I believe so. that's what it'll probably go to when Dragonflight launches. But for now, you can. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. And it's a really cool mount. You should go get it if you can go uh, check Isn't out it like Purple a little Pugs. mini Londres. Yes, it is. It's a mini Holandris. Uh, so go look at Perky Pugs and their friendship crab runs and get yourself, get yourself a Jailer Mount. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they, they, I love the fact that they are just like defy all physics and common sense. They are one of my favorite mounts because of this. Alrighty. Um, a non-World of Warcraft thing to talk about. Uh, basically, Overwatch 2 is doing its Halloween event. Uh, I believe it's called Halloween Terror 2022. Yeah. Um, and it's the Bride of Junkenstein event, so you can head in there and, and get a, a feel for how things are supposed to be playing out for the eventual uh, Overwatch 2 PvE stuff. Um, Liz has a note here that I'm going to read in its entirety, <laughs> in which you get to spend 20-ish on new skins rather than earning loot boxes by participating in the event for the chance at skins. I can't tell based on that if you think this is good or bad. So I'm going to ask um, you, Liz, is it good or bad that you can just buy the thing? Okay, I should I should note, I have not been playing Overwatch 2. It just does not really excite me, except for the PvE aspect, which doesn't exist yet. But I have been reading things people have been saying about this and keeping up with the news, and it's like, okay, you used to be able to play the game and earn the loot boxes, and you'd open the loot boxes and you'd get stuff. And now it's like you play the game or, and you earn... 
oh, some forget, small cosmetics. Don't forget you earn the coin too that you could then purchase skins during the holiday with as well. Yeah. But now it's like you can earn some small things through gameplay, like uh, sprays and things like that. But like the big, exciting skins that they're advertising, you know, they cost like 15 to $20 real money. And that's that's like, OK, that's just not very that's really discouraging. I mean, having to go through all of the loot boxes was discouraging, but like going in and saying, OK, well, if you want this, you got to give us 20 bucks. That's. That's a whole new and exciting kind of discouraging. Well, I mean, I guess there's a counterpoint to that, though, right? Um, hmm. Like looking at other free to play games and looking at other games like I'll, I'll, we can compare it to uh, Riot, right? Like mm-hmm. when you look at League of Legends, League of Legends is free to play. Some of the skins cost between, you know, 10 and $20, depending on the level of skin or how, you know, depending on the character, how new the skin is or or what it entails. So it's not an abnormal price for that type of game. Uh, So, I mean, while it is, sounds like a lot and it is expensive, it like it's in line with other games that already do that. The other thing is it allows people who can purchase it directly to purchase it directly, which is something that I know a lot of players were asking for, regardless of how we feel about it. It is something that a lot of people ask. And matter of fact, if you play any of the free to play games now, you will sometimes occasionally get uh, hit up with a survey uh, to kind of like do their like, where do you how do you feel we're doing? What's new and, and things like that. And one of the most commonly asked questions on those surveys is, you know, do you want to earn cosmetics through events or would you rather be able to purchase them directly? So I think there is maybe some data there as well. It's it's not for me personally. Like I wouldn't do that unless I was like super hardcore into a character on a game. But like it's it's in line with what the rest of that that sort of those games are doing, right? Like almost all of them are right in that ballpark. So just 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 some data, I guess. Yeah, it certainly feels like if you want if you want to get skins on the same level you were before, you were going to spend a lot of money. Even though you can, yes, oh, for sure. directly, you're directly ta- target the skins you want. And it's like Overwatch is free to play, but you're going to actually pay more for it than you did when you bought, just bought Overwatch. So I, I find that whole trend in gaming kind of discouraging that it's like, oh, everything is free in quotation marks, but you're going to pay more for it. It's just, hmm. Not fun, and it's probably it's just the way things have to go because things cost money, development costs money, and you can't just have a single purchase box price and still support ongoing development. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I, is that true? I mean, and I don't think we have time to really get into a discussion of it, but it is an there, interesting thing to consider. Maybe it's not that you can't have a box price and support ongoing development so much as you can't have a box price people will accept uh, and support ongoing I, development. So unpopular opinion, I think there is something to it. I just don't think we found the balance point because I think Liz is more right than that ongoing development on a game that is supposed to be prolonged and is supposed to be continued to be developed. That's where it becomes a problem, right? Like even while we pay a subscription fee per month on top of whatever we purchase for the uh, expansions, right? And that money goes towards continued development of the game. If you buy a game like Overwatch, um, traditionally, like the box price, if it's 60 bucks, that's what, four months of WoW subscription, right? Maybe. And is that enough to keep the game going? Especially when did Overwatch come out? 
it's been Overwatch one. It's been five years. Yeah, it's easily, yeah, easily five years, if not more. Okay. Um, so like there is something to that, right? Because there is no subscription base for it. Um, 2016, good Lord. Um, so like there is an element of that and it is an element of justifying continued production on it. I'm not saying I like it, but it is something that is at the forefront of games in this particular niche. Right. So plus, uh, the more cynical side of it is you will, they will always make more profit off of that as well. Um, because that's just the nature of that beast as well. Yeah, I I am of the opinion I would rather pay a subscription fee than agreed than have a ton of microtransactions because a subscription fee is upfront. You know what you're paying, you know what you're getting, or at least you have a good idea of what you're getting, and it's like something you can plan on and budget for. It's something that you can realistically. Well, have you heard uh, about this thing? Pass. Ca- I was going to say, have you heard about this thing called the Battle Pass? Yeah. No! <laughs> <laughs> Yes, battle passes, but the problem with a battle pass compared to a subscription system is you're paying for something and then you still have to unlock it. Which mm-hmm. of course yeah, when you pay a sub uh, fee, you 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 get technically you get access to everything in the game, right? But you right. have to actually go and do it. You don't just You still have to go and farm the transmog. Yeah. So I I don't know. It is <laughs> I, I, love, a lot of I love how that's the unit this. of measurement. I love you, Liz. Never change. Yeah. It's transmog. Transmog is the game. That's yes. the whole game. That's why I do anything in the game. There's no other reason. Yeah. But so here's the difference between a battle pass and like a subscription. Like, wow, is that when the battle pass is done, I can't get the things on the battle pass anymore. So if I well, if there's a hundred levels and I get through half of them, the things on the other half are now gone, even though I paid for the battle pass. I can't get them because I didn't spend enough time in the game to earn them. Yeah, it, you, you're basically paying someone to let you do chores versus sure. paying someone yes. to let you go grab apples there, off of their farm, but take the apples home. I there's mean, there a, is a difference. There is a difference. Absolutely. But there's also um, the potential battle pass. And, and this is not a defensive battle pass. I have very complicated feelings about that in general. Um, but depending on how much the price point is for a battle pass, and I'll use... Fortnite as an example, right? Um, the new battle passes is, is way different than the old battle pass. Um, but like it's roughly the equivalent of like 15 bucks for a three month pass or two month pass, whatever the, the chapter of the season is. Um, and the thing that they do is after that battle pass is done, those skins aren't gone forever. Those cosmetics aren't gone forever. They rotate them back in. Um, for like direct purchasing with a V bucks or whatever the case is. So some battle passes take that into account. Uh, I'm not saying that I, I'm a big fan of it, but I'm just saying some of them are considering that, you know, well, the Overwatch has said that they'll be doing that, but they also haven't told us what the time frame is either or what no, the cost will that's be. That's true. Right. We know that we know that the season, the battle pass season is nine weeks. Sure. But we don't know how they'll be getting us stuff that we goes away because the battle passes and they put in addition to cosmetics being up for money, there's like characters who were straight up behind the battle pass. And yes, the you know first new one was pretty easy to get. Kiriko wasn't hard to get this time around. But season two, you're going to have to get that character. And I think it's like a solid two thirds of the way through the battle pass before you get it. I think somebody calculated that if you buy the boost, it's like $200 US or something like that. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot to talk about in this one. And I think more than we've got really time to. Um, but definitely something to keep in mind in the future is how how overwatch is handling 
the transition to free to play, how it, how it's using battle passes. I honestly feel like something more like what other single target games do with their with their season passes would have been a better move. But regardless, we're here now, so I'm going to move on to mentioning this because it, it happened today and, and we didn't really get much chance to, to read about it. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it on Lore Watch at some point. But the Dragonflight Legacies Chapter 1 went out today. Uh, it's Nozdormu. And yes, it's not Martin Sheen doing his voice anymore. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone's surprised by this. Uh, Martin Sheen is like 81 years old and has been talking about retiring for the past decade. Um Plus, uh, it's Nozdormu and Emberthal, who is one of the, the new Drakthir. And it's a Galakrond recap, as, as was pointed out here. It's an interesting one, but I kind of felt like compared to some of the ones we got in previous expansions, it was a little, I don't want to sound mean, but this, this really isn't up to their usual standard for these things. I but, mean, my initial rating was like a 3 out of 10. This was not. But then I saw a lot of people responding really positive to it. I think, yeah, I think like a three would imply that it's bad. And I don't think it's uh, bad. I just feel like it's not as powerful as like the one that always comes to mind are the ones from, from Battle for Azeroth. Oh, yeah, those like were amazing. The, it's the Jaina one or the, the Sylvanas one were both very powerful. And then the Ashara one came in and was like, wow. Yeah, this is. Wow. <laughs> I don't th- This is a popcorn flick. Right, you're. Yeah. This is this is not like Citizen Kane. This is, but this is also not Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, this is just a fun fun thing to sit down and and sort of get that recap. But here's the thing: I think it's intentionally sort of in the position it's in because it's recapping Galakrond. How many players don't know who Galakrond is? Most. I mean, I mean, I know who Galakrond is because he he was in a Hearthstone expansion, right? And. Uh, Rafam had a song about him. But how many how many players <laughs> came in after after Wrath, right? Uh, and I, I never or never played that content and don't understand who it is. This is sort of um, I, I liken it to like rehashing a series uh, or a movie series from a long time ago, uh, where sometimes the first like, like we could say Star Wars. Uh, a lot of it tends to be like a reprimer for people that are coming into it for the first time, right? Um, it's not an in-depth lore dump. It's not a, a a masterpiece theater sitting on the in the armchair by the fireplace reading from the giant tome. Although you know, if you want to do that, that's not a bad idea either. Um, but like, it's just uh, here's Galakron. Here's why it's important. Here's where the Dragonflight is tied up with it, and this is probably going to be relevant as you make your way through Dragonflight. Go right. So that, that's my I, take on I- it at least. I feel like my expectations were wrong. And because my expectations were wrong, I was really disappointed in it. Which, again, it's not that it's bad, but it was a recap. And a lot of the previous shorts we've seen have been really hard-hitting character stories. They've been very emotional. They've been highly character-driven. Think of... uh, Oh, God, I've completely forgotten his name. The the Ardenweald short. Ursoc. Yeah, Ursoc, and you're like watching this and you're breaking down in tears because this is just, this this rips at your heart. Are the Jaina short, which was incredible, full of emotion, very powerful. And yeah. you compare this to that, and this is this is a story recap. So Even if going you- Going back to Warlords of Draenor, um, the ones they did for Warlords of Draenor, like the, the, the one for Grom, uh, or the one for, not Grom, sorry, uh, Fist guy, no hand boy. I can't remember his <laughs> name. Kargroth. 
<laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, Cargath Blade Fist. Sorry, uh, his one is actually really powerful. Like it's it's you know you get a lot of his personality. The one that they did for Marad is just like soul destroying to watch. Like how he like you know he he didn't. He, he thought he was doing the right thing and then he turned out that he'd let his people down and they all died because he ran off to fight instead of staying to protect. And it's just, there's a lot. For that matter, the Ashara one, which I mentioned earlier, is a recap. Like, but it's... It's a recap that shows you new information and also gives you some perspective on these the, P, the POV, not just of Ashara, but of Nazoth. I didn't get anybody's POV from the, the, the Nosdormu one. I didn't get Nosdormu's and he's in it. Like the, he, he show him and the, the the five original Drakes who became the aspects, and he manages to not even you know even there's just not a lot there. And I was a little I I don't feel like it was three out of ten. I, I feel like it was a solid six, uh, just because it's it's a it's still well produced. I and oh yeah, they're all very well. Produced. I also think timing is important too. I, I don't want to I don't want to like beat a dead dragon or anything here. Um, <laughs> Why not? They keep trying to. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's that's all that that was the joke matt that i'm done see you did it to me now we're even i can do it back yeah um also like the, the jaina short the Silvana short and the ursoc short when they were telling powerful stories those characters were very present in recent gameplay and important moments right the dragons have sort of been on the like quiet side for what two expansions now two and a half really so like i can understand maybe starting with something like this i will be interested to see what the other chapters look like after this and if they start to give that perspective because again like it really does feel like a hey so you want to learn about dragon aspects well press five on your keyboard pilgrim like that's what it feels like to me so i mean it it feels like I, I like we button. <laughs> I wanted we to keep talk going just like that. Well, Matt was talking about the Ashara and Nazoth short, which we did know that story. We knew the basic story, but it's like you do the basic story, and then you have this scene from Ashara's perspective where she's sinking with her city underwater, and then Nazoth shows up, and they have this whole conversation, and she's like, "I'm not. I'm a queen," and just it's. Like Matt said, this is a new perspective, and it's by putting yourself in the role of this character, giving you this personal moment with this character, you have this powerful kind of emotional response, and there's new information there. You get this new perspective and a different understanding of the event. And like, I could see how this short could have done that. Like, if you'd really put people into the role of these dragons and this desperate fight against Galakrond, this fight that they had no reason to win. These are like tiny proto-drakes compared to the giant monster that was Galakrond. I mean, these there was no reason they should have won that fight. And they did. That's like, it's this incredible heroic moment, except you just have Nazdormu telling you the story of it, and you don't get that kind of personal moment of like determination. We are going to work together and take out this threat. So I think that's that's where it failed for me. And it could just be I have the wrong expectations because I went in wanting something like that and it wasn't something like that. I'm totally fair, right? Like, and I think part of that yeah. is is like sort of the Ouroboros of uh, the cinematic team eating their own tail a little bit because they've been doing such a, 
a, a killer emotional job with their delivery, especially oh, yeah. uh, all of the shorts and cinematics that we got from, I mean, really the last two expansions, they've just been on a whole I other level. Honestly, I go back all the way to Mr. Pandaria. Yeah. You know what? I, I'll, agree. One. I'll agree. I'll agree. one started this kind of this visual novel storytelling thing. The ones for warlords were all spectacular. Um, yep. Even if you don't care about warlords, uh, Legion had great ones. Uh, the the Illidan one stand out, but the Gul'dan one, you, you, you if people didn't know Gul'dan was evil for some reason, if they would missed the memo or just you know <laughs> he wasn't a character they knew about that much, that cinematic is like he's not just evil, he's this evil. And you're like, he's oh, evil. Okay. yeah, he's he's baby mustache eating, twirling, whatever. I don't know, he's bad. Yeah. And from there, like each one after, like Battle for Azeroth, we've we've spent a time talking about. But even the 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 Shadowlands ones, the one with Uther is like, what? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, what? And then you see the the one with Ursok and that um that little fave looking fella, and it, it's just it's like you know the the Winter Queen shows up and you're like, how can you do this? How can you be a monster like this? And she's like, we, you know, it's this or everything. And you know, you get you finally understand this is what we're talking about with Anima Drought. It's not just, oh, there's no magic here. It's everything is dying in the land of the dead, which is already, you know, it, it's a hard concept, but you get it gets across. So, yeah, I feel like this one, we'll see what comes next. I am interested in seeing what comes next and what they're what they're setting up here. But but on its own by itself, it is not, in my opinion, one of their stronger efforts, but it's certainly not bad. Uh, I, I don't think that there's any way to say that this team puts together the amount of time and effort they obviously put into it, that it's bad. That just doesn't work for me. But this might also be, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Th this might also be part, you know, of a larger whole and that we'll see it mm -hmm. in a larger context when more of them roll out and it'll be a better fit as a coherent whole when previously they've been a little more episodic the last couple of expansions. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Uh, because one thing, you know, a lot of dragon lore is stuff we haven't really seen since cataclysm. Yep. Mm. It's been so a, in it's a been way, a while in a way you kind of have to take the 11 year gap and say, okay, let's explain some of this stuff to people. So they know what's going on with these dragons and why it's important. So, but I, I think at this point, um, I'm going to actually say, let's, let's go and talk about this post because I think your guys feedback on this concept is going to be worthwhile. Uh, we did a post this week about whether or not we're going to get cataclysm ca classic. And my take on it was simple. Yes. It's almost a guarantee at this point that we are going to get, Cataclysm Classic. And the reason for that is because WoW Classic is ridiculously popular. It is something that is beloved by a, a big chunk of the player base. And since it is so beloved, Blizzard would obviously want to keep it going. But the problem with doing Cataclysm Classic is Cataclysm is the expansion that Classic is essentially a refutation of. Everything that Cataclysm did is stuff that original WoW Classic gets you, gives you the chance to undo. It's like, here's the world the way it used to be. So I do find it like there's a ways I can think of that you could do it, but I do think it is a really weird idea to get your head around. What do you guys think about the likelihood and how to do it for Chataclysm Classic? Uh, whichever one of you wants to go first, go. Now we I was waiting for Joe to talk because I feel <laughs> like I just start talking and then I keep talking forever. I mean, um, okay, yeah, I think we all feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Matt is completely right. They kind of, they have to because classic players are hungry for content and they devour content. 
way faster than retail players. They devour content faster than we did it originally. They are starving for new content all the time. So yeah, it's you've got to you've got to feed the content monster. And uh, cataclysm is going to be the most straightforward way to do it, but you're going to have to make changes that make it feel like classic that get that classic feel that they all mm. want. I I don't know that I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So, I think that classic is a different beast from when it first started, right? So when we first started, uh, when it was releasing, there was a lot of it's preserving the world, it's taking the world back to where you know it was before Cataclysm, uh, it's undoing a lot of the changes, and we're trying to recapture that feel of it. But it's evolved past that at this point, I think, and it's becoming more more like Diablo Two Remastered all is almost where there's it's almost like yeah. a divergent timeline of development at this point. So. I think that it is an inevitability that we will get access to a Cataclysm uh, classic or a redo of Cataclysm with the sensibilities of what's learned today and with today's design scope in mind. Um, I don't know a, the best way to do it aside from making sure that it's optional, right? Yeah. Because I think that's sort of the key. Now, the interesting question that it poses for me is not necessarily uh if cataclysm classic or whatever they want to call it cataclysm comes out it's what's going to happen with at a point that i agree with liz on is that classic players are devouring content at a lightning like lightning speed pace what happens when classic catches up to retail where where's the line that says we're done developing classics and it's now caught up to a point because we know the development on on retail takes time shadowlands came out what two years ago almost at this point uh, yeah it was sometime in the before time it, <laughs> it actually came out i know it came out in 2020 because for most of 2020 we were still in battle for azeroth yeah so then we have and battle for azeroth lasted for a while and like we have sort of like a, a two-ish year cycle for expansions Classic doesn't seem to be following a two-year sort of pattern because it seems like they're pushing out quicker. So what what do we start doing? It was exactly, it'll be close to exactly two years when uh, Dragonflight goes out because it was November 23rd. There you go. So yeah, so my question is what happens when it catches up with retail? That's That's the thing that I don't know, right? Like, does it become a completely divergent product? Does it follow the EverQuest uh, problem? where you have alternate uh, reality creations instead of following the the storyline. Let me jump in here really quick. Uh, Classic was originally originally rolled out August 26, 2019, and Burning Crusade Classic was June 1st, 2021, though they certainly sped up uh, Wrath, Mm -hmm. which was just so Wrath was about a year. Yeah, Yeah. I think that the reason that it took Burning Crusade that much time to come out was because they were trying to navigate what they were going to do mm. with players who didn't want to go to burning crusade. And they feel like it feels like they've worked that out. Like they didn't give you a choice this time. Six, six K referring oh, to it as a two ships of Theseus. And I think that is yeah. accurate. <laughs> well, yeah, it's literally like that. Do you ever hear that? The joke about the one guy who was like, my boss said he wanted to rebuild the ship. So I took every piece of wood and then built my own version of the ship at home. And then one day I showed it to him and it was all the original pieces of the ship. So that's obviously your ship, right? 
It, it is kind of like that. It is actually very interesting to think about it in those terms. But it's also, I think it was Liz who pointed this out. When they went to some changes, the changes started getting bigger. Yeah. Like original WoW, WoW Classic, they were very reluctant to do anything. But then they finally, at the end, before they put out Burning Crusade Classic, they put out that thing would allow you to keep buffs. And, and you didn't have to like run in, get the buff, and immediately get yourself to the raid. You could just put the buffs on hold until you were ready to use them. And from there, that's when the changes started accumulating. So it's interesting to think about... It- yeah, and that's why I'm know. saying like it's 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 getting closer to Diablo 2 remastered, right? Like it's Well, I I think in the post one of the things I said was that in, in a way by now Wrath Classic is like a what if. I, I think I even used the term it's like what if. What if they they did development different on Wrath Classic? Like what if the there's not as many you don't have to squish the item gear as much later because you squish it right here. And what if Alduar lasts longer? And what if they put in a new five-man difficulty called Heroic Plus? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's going to be the key to when they do a Cataclysm Classic. Is like we're not going to get. I, I'm positive if they do it, there will not be a raid finder. They will not put that in at the end. They will just they just won't do it. And they won't put in the dungeon finder. So you're going to basically be trying to get these groups to happen organically like you do now in wrath classic with you know just regular five man you just put them together though the old way with like trade chat and so forth are they going to keep heroic plus dungeons are they going to keep like you know having raids like like make them last longer and be more like give them more room to breathe because some raids still like the first raids in in cataclysm were like gone the second firelands came out they were gone and that's not something like we went from like three raids to start to, to firelands to dragon soul. Like, are they going to maybe space out those first three raids so that they're not all boom right away? Cause wrath has an, a whole extra tier of rating in it that that cataclysm doesn't have. There are a lot of things to think about in terms of this, but I do think that they're going to do it. And I don't think they're going to worry about, you know, what happens when we, we catch up to, to modern, because I think at a certain point they'll actually start doing specific expansion like servers i I honestly think that's going to have to be the case for shadowlands i don't know what you guys think i I would be surprised if we don't get expansion specific servers i think i called that out way way long ago when like classic wow was first announced is like i and somebody asked us a question about you know what about the other ones i would be very surprised if we're not rapidly approaching a point where that becomes a thing where it's just individual servers for individual expansions However, as a counterpoint, Liz, you mentioned something when you when you edited the post that I, I kicked myself for not having remembered. <laughs> Seasons of Mastery throw an interesting change into this. Yeah. Because you could theoretically, instead of hammering out expansions as fast as possible, you could really go for the Season of Mastery concept that they haven't done much with since they initially did it. Uh, why don't you outline what you, what you suggested? Because I think it's good stuff to, to talk about. I mean... Yeah, we could do a Seasons of Mastery thing. And the first Seasons of Mastery they did went was uh, all of the vanilla WoW content compressed into a year's release schedule, which still for how fast people gobble up classic content was kind of too slow. (laughs) But uh, it was kind of an experiment and they could keep doing that. I mean, we can look at Diablo 3, which was released in 2012. That's been a couple of years, you know, one or two. And it started, it's the same game. It's the same game it always was, but people still play it. People are still super excited about it. 
And why is that? It's because they have seasons now. You get a new season every three months and it adds new tweaks to gameplay. It adds new mechanics. It adds, you know, it adds all sorts of things and it makes it fun to go in and roll a new character and start from scratch again. So you could really double down on that and do a season of mastery that's every three months and it's totally different and you get to start over and play the same content you enjoy, but in a different way. Yeah. And that'd be something that they could do to give themselves more breathing room. Yeah. Um, if they, instead of immediately popping out the next expansion, if they then at the, at the end of uh, wrath classics life cycle, you could put a season of mastery out. Maybe you'd be a burning crusade one and like let people go do that for a year and then after that maybe you do a, a do a wrath one and every again you start over you you go through and you and you play up to the wrath level and then you put shadowlands out i mean actually, i keep saying shadowlands when i mean cataclysm and it's really annoying <laughs> uh but then then you do cataclysm classic and then you could do cataclysm classic almost at, you could even do cataclysm classic as a season of mastery instead of putting it out and changing the servers because once you change the servers to cataclysm, you have removed all the stuff that, you know, the, the stuff people wanted to be able to go and do and see. You've, yeah, but you've you taken have it to, out. They, they have to leave some pre cataclysm servers. Like right now we have classic era servers, which are just mm -hmm. vanilla. Wow. And we have wrath servers, which go up to wrath. And so, and I, I mean, I, it would be nice I if think, they left those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think they're definitely going to keep the classic era servers. And I think if they go into Cataclysm, they have to keep Wrath servers. Yeah. I mean, just the, I remember the, do you remember when we were first writing about that thing and there was like the, the gear squish, which was a yeah. necessary thing. But you remember we went into like, I think it was the new Deadmines dungeon and we hit a hard stop <laughs> on like the, which, which fight was it? It was the fight with the ogre and the cannons. It was, it was, yeah. It was that the ogre boss and the cannons before in the in the run up to him. The cannons were really hard back then because they did a ton of damage and everyone's mitigation was in the basement. Uh, and then I remember doing that fight and it was just brutal, just because they'd they'd squish geared so hard and we hadn't hadn't had time to do anything else. Like we were on characters who were basically just pre-made. So yeah, I, I I think that there's definitely going to have to be for for that matter if they do the item squish that they're talking about doing during Wrath. If they if they do the one where they don't have everyone's gear get super inflated by uh, running multiple trials, you could theoretically do Cataclysm without one. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of ways they can approach this. I do think that they can make it work. Well, so let me let me pose it this way. Like, and here's a question for both of you then, real quick, just because I'm kind of curious. Uh, going back to like the original concept or the the thought of the ship of Theseus on this. We used to talk about the only thing that could ever hurt WoW would be WoW itself if they created another MMO or whatever. Do we think we've already hit that point? Do we think that vanilla WoW is, or, or classic WoW is essentially WoW 2.0 now, where it's it's hitting a point where it's just its own animal, its own beast, its own game? And like we've mentioned that it's wildly popular, and it very clearly is. Um, but is it is it its own thing now? Is it completely divorced from retail not as long as you have to pay for it or in retail <laughs> I, at the same time i just mean i just mean from a player perspective right like and the the subscription aside right i think they've been very smart to combine the subscription between classic and retail world of warcraft because it means they can continue development on classic without cannibalizing retail subscriptions by just having it a big combined subscription it is certainly evolving into its own thing, but I think 
you know, the players who want to play classic and the players who want to play modern are, they're different players. I don't think, I mean, I think there's some overlap, but it's like the players who play modern, you know, they're going to dip their toes into classic occasionally for the nostalgia or for something different, but they're probably not playing full-time or hardcore. And that may be true of classic players as well. It's like, occasionally, okay, we've run out of content. We'll play a little modern and modern's going to remind us of why we play classic with all of its different mechanics and vice versa. You know, whenever I go into classic, I'm like, oh, I can't transmog. I have to sit in Orgrimmar and ask for a group over and over. You know, all of those things that are annoyances that retail is fixed and addressed. So, yeah, I mean, I play retail and I sometimes play classic, but, you know, I just, every time I go in there, I'm like, huh, well, this is, this is why you play modern WoW. Yeah, I, I think, I think in general, what I would say to this is that WoW Classic has a dev team, but it's a much smaller dev team. Mm -hmm. Like one of the things I was, I was thinking about was like, could you ever just have WoW Classic be its own game that had its own content? Like, could you like make your own expansions for it? Could we have completely alternate like patches with alternate stuff in them that we never got before? And I don't think that the numbers are there for like the two, the two plus years it takes to develop an expansion. And I'm, I'm saying two plus years as if they aren't working on expansions concurrently. Uh, but let's, let's go with the two plus years idea as opposed to it's really more like three or four because there's pre oh, yeah. there's work going on before while you, while the current expansion is still working, there's work going on and then work going on beyond that. <clears throat> that two and a half to that two year period, if you gave that to the WoW Classic dev team, nothing to do with their talent as developers, purely the manpower and resources they have to bear, it would take them like five times as long to get anything done. They just don't have the people. And that's why I think they are always going to be yoked to retail WoW because they need content. The only place they can actually get it is from retail or previous versions of retail. Like everything, like Wrath Classic up until Wrath Classic launched was retail stuff. That's where you could see that content. Now it's back. Now they've got it in its original form again. That's going to be the way forward for WoW Classic because there just isn't enough impetus there to do otherwise you just it just can't become its own thing it can be a lot different it's a very different i i do think the wow the what if thing is valid it's a very different way to to experience the game but it is still basically just it's like it's like riffing off of original War, warcraft it's like riffing off of world of warcraft that's what it is like to me it's almost like riff tracks or mystery science theater but not trying to be funny just give you a different spin on it like it's like the Amen break or the 2009 Star Trek. It just it's the, it is the same thing but different. And I think it will always be the same thing but different. It will never actually be separate enough to be its own game because it is dependent upon the content pipeline that exists for the other game. That's my take on it. Okay. And now I think we're done cuz yeah, 5 minutes over. Joe yeah, absolutely. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad-free site experience. Okay, uh, thank you, Joe. Um, everybody out there, if you could please send us some questions, <laughs> uh, preferably to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line 
podcast of Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for this show, because uh, I, I just can't keep stealing questions from Joe. It, it, it gets, it, after a while, it's so ridiculously obvious that that's what I've done. I, I need a breather from that. Uh, if you want to help and you don't want to send an email, you can use our Discord. We've got two channels for that. The Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel, um, which we tend to look in first, and the Pod- Q and Podcast Questions channel for non-patrons because, you know, we still want people who are not patrons to be able to support us by asking us questions. And so uh, Thank you guys for being here with us. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. On behalf of myself, Liz, and Joe, thank you for being here, and we'll be back next week.